Welcome to Ed Council Insights. This is our podcast to provide insights into new legal developments in the Missouri education community. If you are a Missouri school leader, school board member, or any public educational decision maker in Missouri, well, you are in the right place. Today, my partner Emily Elmahondra and I are going to be talking about potential vaccine mandates and incentives, including the president's recent pronouncements about vaccine mandates, a public employer's authority to mandate vaccinations for its employees, the potential to offer incentives for employees to provide proof of vaccinations, and handling exemptions to mandates or incentives that might be requested by employees. And we're also going to work in some uh, information about student vaccines, uh, although that potential is probably a little ways off, uh, a little bit farther off at least uh, than employees, but we'll probably work that in as well. And with that introduction, Emily, delighted you're here as always. You ready to enlighten us about vaccine mandates and incentives? Of course. All right. Well, let's start with what the president had to say recently. Um, he made a few pronouncements last week, or, uh, I believe it was last week, about vaccine mandates. Uh, what were your takeaways there? So my takeaways from that were really, um, you know, the Biden administration is really wanting to see vaccination percentages go up and um, testing also go up. And so the federal government, the executive branch is trying to figure out the limits or the extent, I guess I should say, of its authority to try to get that accomplished. So in making his pronouncement about vaccine mandates, um, really President Biden is relying on the authority of OSHA to try to implement that for large employers. So employers who have more than 100 employees, have 100 or more employees, I guess I should say, um, and are who are subject to OSHA regulation, that is kind of the um, avenue under which President Biden is trying to get this accomplished. Okay, and how's that fit with uh, public school employers? Are, are, are we subject to OSHA? Well, we aren't in the state of Missouri anyway, um, because some states um, in the United States have what's called an OSHA state plan. And if a state has an OSHA state plan, then um, it's very possible that the public schools in those states who have more than 100 employees or whatever their OSHA state plan says would make them subject to that those regulations. Um, it's very possible that in those states, um, we may see public schools subject to that mandate. However, Missouri does not have an OSHA state plan and public school districts are not subject to OSHA so uh, regulations. And so we're not going to see that trickle down effect um, vaccine mandate occur in the state of Missouri for public schools. Okay. Um, based on that, uh, I suppose the next layer and the thing that I get tend to get asked about on, in this regard is, well, is it potentially going to affect our funding down the road? Is this something where the feds might look at it and say, okay, well, fine, if you're not going to follow the, the requirement that we're putting forth under OSHA and you're determining that you're not going to have any sort of vaccine mandate for your employees, well, that's going to impact your funding. What do you think the potential is there? 
Right. So, you know, what we what we heard um, President Biden say was that he was really strongly encouraging governors across the country to create mandates for uh, school staff members, employees, um, but certainly haven't heard him talk about extending um, or exploring the authority of perhaps the U.S. Department of Education or looking at the funding, that federal funding stream, whether that be through grants or federal, just general federal funding that comes to the states and then is distributed to local school districts. Um, You know, we haven't heard anything specific about that. So I think what we're doing right now is just a little speculative, as you kind of alluded to, but um, I think it's a possibility um, if we don't see a number of states try to get on board with a vaccine mandate for school employees, then it may be that out of perhaps frustration or, um, you know, something, you know, in hoping for some compliance that the Biden administration will look and see, okay, what tools do we have in order to try to press this um, mandate from the federal level if the states aren't going to do it? And one of those ways certainly could be um, tying that federal funding up. But I mean, we haven't, we, I want to be clear, we haven't seen that alluded to in the comments that President Biden has made. Right. We're just not there. And maybe over time, incrementally, we might get there as I guess the potential, but um, let me ask you this. One of the questions I've also been asked is related to our authority as a school district, as the employer to um, impose some sort of mandate and make it stick with respect to our employees. Um, Any question there that the the school district as a public employer has the authority to require that of their, of their contracted and non-contracted employees? So, I mean, private and public employers, I think, can require um, vaccinations. Obviously, we know vaccine mandates and requirements have been around um, for, well, close to maybe a century and a half or so for public school children. And um, also, you know, when it comes to employees, we can do that. Um, obviously there are going to be exemptions that may apply. And I know we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but courts have really held that vaccine mandates are something that is appropriate, uh, or within the power of a local government or a public school to do. So if we have the authority, um, exercising it in our discretion might be a different issue, right? Right. Um, what do you think about that? I, I know you sit as a board member, you think about these things, but you also think of them from the school attorney side of it. Um, what do you think of the staff relations, political considerations in imposing some sort of vaccine mandate as an employer? Well, from a practical school board member perspective, I feel like, um, you know, we're having a difficult time staffing and um, they're not exactly school employees, prospective school employees breaking our door down to work um, for our school district or any uh, many of the school districts across the state. So I feel like creating a vaccine mandate that could cause some of our staff members to go and seek employment elsewhere where there's not a mandate um, or could 
prevent people from applying. I don't know that from a policy standpoint, that's probably the best plan. Um, and, you know, I think that it's very community based in many ways. It just, I mean, so, you know, some school districts are seeing that they've got 75 to 80% of their staff members vaccinated voluntarily. Um, whereas we have got, you know, we're aware of other school districts that are closer to, um, you know, 35 or 40%. And so uh, I think that depending on the area in which you live and the um, political leanings, there may be some significant pushback to that. I, I, I really am thinking that, um, you know, it'll be interesting to watch the uh, way that whatever lawsuits that are filed, which to see which way they go to give us some kind of guideposts about how courts may feel about this. I think part of the issue is, is that, um, you know, where we're going to see some of these vaccine mandates, for instance, you know, in Los Angeles, they're requiring kids 12 and up to have um, vac vaccines. And that a court ruling in that area of the country is probably not a very good guidepost for what a Missouri court would do about something like that. So, you know, it's kind of hard to extrapolate um, from that based on just the very, the widely varying political views um, from that side of the country to mid-America. Yeah, I guess I um, I struggle with the idea that Missouri is going to get to that point uh, soon. I, you know, I'm not commenting about what a court might do with it, but just the idea politically that uh, many of our school boards are going to uh, make the decision to require vaccines of students 12 and up. Um, I think we're a ways off before that really comes to fruition, but I could be wrong. Things are subject to change very rapidly as we've found over the last couple of years. Yes. <laughs> you know, that kind of brings us to the next point uh, that I want to talk over with you, Emily. You, you know, if we aren't in a position either politically uh, or otherwise to impose some sort of mandate, a lot of school districts, I think, are going to be put in the position of, of do we provide some sort of incentive to our employees, uh, perhaps to students as well, um, to go ahead and get vaccinated. Um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so we have had a number of questions about, you know, incentives for staff members. Um, we haven't had a lot of questions about incentives for students uh, yet, but I'm sure that those kinds of thoughts are on people's minds as well. Um, can you provide an incentive in order for staff members to get vaccinated? Sure. Um, you can. We just have to keep in mind that, you know, we're going to have individuals who may have a legitimate um, religious reason or a legitimate health reason not to get vaccinated. And if we run into that, when we're providing an incentive, we're going to have to figure out how to deal with that in a non-discriminatory way so that we don't face some sort of claim from individuals who um, you know, don't get their $50 Amazon gift card or whatever the incentive is um, in order to get vaccinated. So, you know, it's going to be our obligation to look at that incentive and individuals who come to us and say, you know, hey, my doctor has advised me that I'm not able to, to get or I shouldn't get this vaccine for my um, for my own health reasons. And now I'm being left out of this incentive that you're providing, which I'm not eligible to receive the incentive. So how are we going to, how are we going to accommodate that? 
And I want to get into some of the procedural aspects of this because, uh, and and when it comes to the exemptions, I want to talk about mandates and incentives, but let's start with incentives and just the mechanics of it. Um, you know, do you provide an incentive for folks to bring in some sort of proof that they've been vaccinated? Do you just simply have people, you know, uh, tell you that they've been vaccinated? What, I mean, what kind of process seems to make sense? Well, you know, I think that the, the thing that makes the most sense is, you know, if we're going to incentivize, I think we're going to be asking for people to provide something like a vaccination card because, um, you know, if they choose not to provide it, that's fine. They're just not eligible for the incentive. Um, but, you know, just we've, I can tell you from phone calls I've received in the last two weeks, we are already having people who are trying to um, get around quarantine requirements by not being entirely truthful about their vaccination status. Um, so I'm not sure the, the cynical attorney part of me is already not in favor of taking people at face value on that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think from a procedural perspective, uh, you know, we would be talking about having people provide us with some sort of medical proof that that had occurred. And I don't think that that's all that different, honestly, than, um, you know, there are lots of health insurance companies who do wellness incentives. Um, and I, and I don't think that that's, uh, and they do that kind of through the school district. And I, I don't think that's significantly different than that. Which kind of brings us to the exemption type of discussion, whether we're talking about mandates or incentives, we have the potential for exemptions. Primarily, we're talking about medical slash disability type of exemption requested, or perhaps a religious exemption. Um, and we've had a number of districts that wanted to more or less make a blanket or policy determination about those things. Um, discouraged, right? Right, right. Because especially, I mean, from a from a medical disability perspective, um, as we know, when someone comes to us and discloses that they're not able to perform a specific function of their job and asks for an accommodation, that is an individual um, interactive discussion approach. And the facts that are associated with that individual's disability become very relevant to that discussion. So um, I don't think that, especially from a medical perspective, that a one-size-fits-all uh, policy to, to accept or reject a request for an exemption uh, makes much sense there. So, I mean, I think we would be engaging in that interactive discussion and having a conversation about, um, you know, what medical guidance was given about vaccination and, you know, the reason that it needs to not occur and, and having that discussion with that employee. So, so that is not really going to be a one side. I mean, the process may look similar for everyone, but the fact finding and, you know, and the discussion part of it is going to look different. So, um, and that would apply to incentives as well as mandates, right? It, it, Absolutely. You know, we've, I've had a number of clients say, well, it's, it's an incentive. You just don't get the incentive if you, you're not going to do it. And it's really not that simple, is it? It, it isn't because, um, I mean, it's a benefit that we're offering, right? And it's tied to employment. So, I mean, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't tie other benefits. We, it, it is a perk of the job. So, you know, as a, since it's part of employment, 
Um, and we, if we're offering that, we need to offer that in a non-discriminatory way, just as we offer health insurance in a non-discriminatory way. And, you know, just as we offer paid 10 off in a non-discriminatory way. So, you know, we just need to think about it, about it that way. Okay. Well, and that's kind of the focus on the disability piece, but on the religious exemption piece, and we've, we've had to deal with this issue, um, lately, (laughs) with respect to mass mandates. <laughs> so it's kind of similar, but it's a little bit different than mass mandates. Would you agree? Um, yes, I, I do agree because, um, you know, masking is sort of a low impact, a low personal impact requirement for this from the school. Um, whereas a medication, you know, a, vac- a vaccination is something that is, more intrusive in terms of government action it require requiring medical intervention to put something in your body i mean right yeah as opposed to something covering your face so um yeah so i think that from a legal perspective when we talk about religious exemptions and vaccine um incentives slash mandates that um, the burden is going to be higher on the district to prove that, you know, that if, if we're not going to honor a religious exemption, I think the burden is higher um, for the district in that regard. Of course, there's case law, as we kind of talked about out there that says that that has its old case law, but it's been around for, you know, it's been around for a while and it hasn't hasn't been overturned you know, that they're requiring a vaccine that, you know, there may be a legitimate governmental interest in terms of public health related to that. Um, And I don't, I don't think that, um, I think we would have a much easier time proving that with a, with a mask because the burden is lower on the individual who's being subjected to the requirement than a vaccination. But um, the cases are out there about vaccinations. So well, on the incentive side of the house and dealing with the religious exemption, can you kind of walk us through the things that people need to be you know, thinking hard about as they try to process a request to exempt them from the um, vaccination incentive? Yeah, so I mean, I think that what we need to be doing is um, having a uniform process for what you know, what information we request from an employee um, in terms of quote unquote proving that they need a religious exemption. And so, um, you know, I think that we would be considering um, talking to them about, you know, what their sincerely held religious belief, closely held religious beliefs are um, and having that information so that we can make a determination about you know, whether our desire to provide this incentive that promotes health and safety outweighs the individual's religious beliefs. So, um, you know, if we're going to deny it, deny a religious exemption and say, yes, you may have a sincere, you know, closely held religious belief that prevents you from um, being vaccinated. uh, But we don't think that we need to provide you the incentive. We're just going to say no to everybody. Um, I think there's some risk in that. But at the same time, um, I think that it may be easier to do that 
than to take that same approach with like a medical exemption issue. You know, one interesting aspect of that is going to be um, if you get to the point where you're finding out about their vaccination status with respect to other types of vaccines, you know, have they been inoculated from other things? And so, okay, why is, why is this a, something that is against your religious beliefs, but yet those were not, you know, those are. Oh, I know. I never, you know, I haven't thought about that a lot, but yeah, if we, you know, yes, you've gotten the MMR shot and, you know, other things, or you signed up for flu clinic, flu shot clinic, but then this one somehow different. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So I'm going to give you a chance to take a final parting shot, Emily, uh, you know, anything else that you want to add about vaccine mandates or incentives, things that maybe clients are, are asking about that we haven't covered? You know, I think I would just, um, from my perspective as a school board member, I feel like you do that we are probably pretty far away from seeing a vaccine mandate that's going to affect our students or staff in some way um, here in Missouri. And so I think I would just encourage everybody to kind of keep an eye just on the news and how this is being handled in other states and perhaps to just try to calm anyone, you know, if you have patrons or staff members who are worried about this, I, I think it's not, I don't think we should be ready to be worried about it. I think we need to have an eye on it, but I don't think that we should be um, in panic mode or anything about vaccine mandates yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a, a part two of this whenever that comes. <laughs> All right. Panic, something to, panic part two. Something to look forward to, right? Yeah. Well, thank you, Emily, for sharing your thoughts on the, on vaccine mandates and incentives today. And thank you listeners for taking the time today to listen to Ed Council Insights. We hope you'll follow and share our Ed Council podcast on social media and subscribe to hear upcoming episodes on current legal topics and issues related to school law. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or you can check us out at our website. Just Google Ed Council, that's E-D-C-O-U-N-S-E-L, all one word, and you'll find us there. Glad we could be together, and thanks for listening to this edition of Ed Council Insights.